Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 19 through 24. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth. Where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust won't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, is darkness, how terrible the darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sue. Good morning. Are you guys as awake as I am today? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I'm more awake than Bruce is. I think that's really, uh, we've already established that maybe, maybe it's good that uh, he's not having to bring a sermon today, right? Because it's... He's going to dress up for Thanksgiving and do all sorts of fun stuff. So that would be fun. Maybe we'll come to Thanksgiving at your house and see what you're dressed up as, Bruce. That would be a good time. Well, we are nearing the end of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Bruce has done a great job taking us into some uncomfortable territory. We've, we've, We've talked about all sorts of things, right? We've talked about anger. We've talked about adultery. Uh, we've talked about retaliation. We've talked about pornography. We've talked, I mean, like all sorts of stuff that makes us get a little uncomfortable. And today we're going with an easy subject. We're just going to talk about our money. No big deal. No, no big deal. Uh, but here, here is seriously what I want us to do as we start today. Because really and truly... You might be more comfortable sitting in a room talking about pornography for 30 minutes than you are talking about your money for 30 minutes. So here's what I would like us to do. I'd like us to just all consider whatever current stresses you have about money, frustrations you may have, worries, fears, anxieties, issues surrounding money. And I, just, I want you to just look at it and acknowledge it. And then just take, take that thing, and we're just going to place that in God's hands this morning. We're going to let him have that for the next 30 minutes or so. Okay, we're just going to let him hold on to that for us. So now you don't have to worry about that. And now that we've, we've taken that out, we've identified that thing, and we're going to place that aside, here's what I want us to do next. Think about the most common storyline you tell yourself about money. Or things related to your money. What is, for you, the most common story you are telling yourself about money? So we've set the issues aside. We're going to look at our storyline. We're going to open in prayer. And then we're going to let God speak to us the rest of our time together. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you free us to listen to you today to speak your truth over us so that we may find freedom 
in the area of how we relate to our money and resources. We wait expectantly to hear from you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, let's just remind ourselves real quickly where we've been in this series so far. Jesus started this whole sermon reminding this new, this fresh group of disciples of two things. First of all, who their father is. God is their father, and he is a good father who promises that he will give them a life full of blessings and abundance. You have a God who is a good father, number one. Second thing he tells them is who they are, and you are his child. You are his child who he says has a distinct and important purpose in this world. You are salt and you are light. You are valuable. In fact, you are critical to this world for God's kingdom purposes. You have a God who is a good father and you are his child and you have a good purpose. So those are the first two things that Jesus says. And then the rest of the sermon, when he starts getting into these I guess, subjects that can be wrapped in a lot of emotion for a lot of us. When he starts getting into this kind of territory, it's not like he's just some rabbi coming up, getting in their business, and telling them how to live their life. No, 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 no. He's already said, you have a Father God who is good and who wants your best, and you have a good purpose in this world. So now what you, how you can hear this is in that context. The entire sermon is, is couched in the larger context of God as your good father. I went through the entire sermon, and I counted how many times Jesus mentions father, 12 times. 12 times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus refers to God as Father. N.T. Wright suggests that a title for the Sermon on the Mount could actually be what it means to call God Father. Like we could just put that as a heading in our Bible, what it means to call God Father. Here's the Sermon on the Mount. And here's my two-word summary for the rest of the sermon. We could have just shortened this whole series, Bruce. Here is your two-word summary for the rest of the sermon. Let go. Let go. What does it mean to call God Father? Let go. Because God is a trustworthy, faithful Father who has your best interest at heart. You can let go. You can loosen your grip. You can let go of anger. You can let go of, of, of using others for your personal pleasure or gain. You can let go of controlling other people. You can let go of the need to get even when somebody has hurt you. You can let go of hatred. You can let go of trying to earn God's approval through your good works. And you know what? You can let go of your need to gain the approval of others. Let go. We've covered all of that so far in the Sermon on the Mount. Every single one of those statements we have covered. Look at the Lord's Prayer. It is nestled right in the middle of this entire sermon. If you look at it, you've got chapter 5, and then you go into chapter 6, there's the Lord's Prayer, and you've got all the rest of 6 and 7. The Lord's Prayer is right there in the middle, and every line of the Lord's Prayer is a statement of surrender. 
Listen to this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. I will let go of my pride and I will make much of your name, not my name. Your kingdom come. I let go of trying to build my kingdom here on earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I surrender my will to your will. Let your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. I won't strive for, take, store up, or hoard resources. I will receive from God's hand enough for today. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I won't hang on to unforgiveness. I won't do it. I will trust the people who've hurt me to you. I will let go of trying to deal with that. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. I let go of trying to figure out on my own, in my own capacity, every single problem that I face. I give that to you. I trust that you will care for me and you will protect me. Surrender. Do you hear that? Surrender. Letting go. So Jesus has ushered in the kingdom, yes, and we have full access to the kingdom, yes. But in order to live in it, in order to live in it, Jesus needs to reign in our hearts. God needs to reign in our hearts. And if he is to reign, I need to surrender my role as queen or king of my own kingdom. I mean, as hard as that may be for us to let go, because it can be hard. Look, it can be hard. And each of us, for each of us, there is something different. It is a different issue for us. What might be my issue and what I cling to, and when I'm like, okay, Lord, yes, you can have this over here, but I'm hanging on right here. What that is for me probably wouldn't be an issue for you. But what it is for you may not be an issue for me. So some of these things are harder than others, but they can be hard. Just some stuff we don't want to let go of. But as hard as that may be for us to let go of our own kingdoms, here's the truth, guys. Our kingdoms are rotting. Our kingdoms are fading. Moth and rust are destroying our kingdoms. And time is doing its own faithful work against our kingdoms. But the kingdom of God will never fade. It will never come to an end. It is infinite. It is infinite. And the blessings and the joy, the purpose, the fulfillment that are found in God's kingdom will bring an infinite abundance to your life. Listen to me now. Not later when you get off to this heaven place somewhere else. That is not the good news that Jesus brought to us. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here now. So kingdom abundance is available now. And it starts when we surrender. That's the good news. It's now. You get the abundance of the kingdom now. But you can't hang on and let go at the same time. And that may be the most important thing for us to 
Remember, as we delve into our topic for today, you can hang on to your control of or your attachment to money and go wholeheartedly with God at the same time. You can't hang on and let go at the same time. So, on the heels of the Lord's Prayer, if you're looking, if you've got your Bibles, or even if it's on your phone, you can scroll. If you're looking there, and you see where we've come so far in the Sermon on the Mount, and you've, you see the Lord's Prayer, today's passage flows right on out of that. So on the heels of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And you know how this hits me? In, in light of what we've just said about the Lord's Prayer being about a surrendered life, storing up treasures is not a surrendered action. Storing up, right, all of this, that is not a surrendered action. Now, I'm not saying it is bad to have a retirement account and it is bad to have a savings account, but this phrase, storing up, it reveals something. It reveals a scarcity mindset where we are worried about our futures. We are worried that we won't have enough. And so we grab, we grab, and we hold on tight to everything, thinking we can provide our own security and our own abundance. But do you know that immediately following this section that we're looking at today about treasures and about our money, do you know what immediately follows this? It's a whole section about worry. An entire section immediately following all this talk about money and resources is about worry. What's Jesus doing there? He's addressing that scarcity mindset. You worry that you won't have enough. You worry that you are not enough. You worry that you will not have what you need. You worry that your God will overlook you. You worry. And that's scarcity. And there's no scarcity in my Father. He says, if your Father, your Heavenly Father, your good God, clothes the lilies of the fields, and he feeds the birds, and they don't worry about a thing. How much more will he take care of you? He already knows what you need. How much more will he take care of you? So seek first his kingdom, and all of this will be added. Listen, do you see this? Jesus never says, seek abundance. He says, seek your God and seek the kingdom and the abundance comes. The abundance is added. But we still see people seeking abundance and temporary things every day. And we get caught up in it ourselves. But Jesus says true abundance is found in the kingdom of God where we put our full trust in our Father to provide what we need every day. And what he provides is enough. Now listen to this. Our problem many times is that we are not satisfied with enough. We want more. We're not satisfied with enough. We want more. And so we store up. We store up. 
Lynn Twist says in her book, The Soul of Money, here it is right here. I just, I've been thanking Bruce. How long, when did you tell me about that? A month ago, maybe? You know how I've told you I eat books. I've already eaten this one. I've chewed a lot on it. Um, Highly recommend it. This is uh, what she says in, in this book. She says, true abundance flows from enough, never from more. True abundance flows from enough, never from more. She also says that money's like water. Y'all got to read this book. Money's like water. She says, money flows through all our lives. Sometimes it's like a rushing river. Sometimes it's like a trickle. When it's flowing, it can purify, cleanse, create growth and nourish. But when it is blocked or held too long, it can grow stagnant and toxic to those withholding or hoarding it. Isn't that good? Think about stagnant water. Think about how gross that is. That's what she's saying when money gets stored up and hoarded in our lives. That's what it's doing. Psalm 37 talks about the actions of people who are seeking to live under God's reign. These are people who have said, I'm going to seek first the kingdom and I'm going to place myself under the authority of my loving, good Father God. This is what Psalm 37 says about these people who trust the Lord, who commit their way to him and wait patiently for him. He says these people are generous. They give liberally and lend. They keep giving and their children become a blessing. Think about how your children are watching you and what they are learning about their relationship with money or what it should be based on what they see in you. But I'd say these people in Psalm 37, listen, listen carefully. A lot of times we hear this kind of stuff. Oh, they're generous. They give liberally. Uh, they keep on giving. Oh, these are rich people. These are wealthy people. These are people who have a lot. It doesn't say that. It never says these are wealthy people. It says these are people who have chosen to commit their way to the Lord, who trust the Lord, who wait patiently on the Lord. Anybody. No matter what you've got, when you place yourself under his authority, that's the way you live. And I think that you could also say that these people would view their money and their resources like water. It flows in and it can flow out to the benefit of somebody else as God directs that. They see their money and their resources as something that can be used to cleanse, create growth, and nourish, working for good in the world, thus creating an infinite kind of treasure. So Jesus says, don't store up your treasures on earth. Don't do that. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, he says, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be. And then, as we keep reading, he speaks this word of caution to us. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Think about it this way. Where my eyes go, my mind and my heart go. And where my mind and my heart go, my feet go. And where my feet go, my money's going to go. My money will fund the actions I choose to make. And my actions are led by my heart and my mind. And so where I set my eyes is extremely important. So think about this. What are you fixing your eyes on? 
What are you beholding? What is it that captures you, that captures your attention, that you spend a lot of thought, energy on? So we can do all sorts of things, all sorts of things. We can pine away for an abundant life that we think, you know, we create in our mind. We think that's what it means, and we pine away for that. We let our eyes fall on things that are beyond our means or that are unhealthy for us because we've told ourselves that that's what abundance looks like and we must have it. We compare our lifestyles with other people's lifestyles and and we want more. We're not satisfied with enough. We may look at images of other people and we start using other people um, as objects for our pleasure and satisfaction, on and on and on and on, right? But listen to this. The longer we set our eyes on something, the more we desire it. So David talks about a time in his life where his desire, he just wanted to behold God in his temple. So that's where his desire was. There's another time in David's life when he set his eyes on a woman named Bathsheba, and that's where his desire was. And then that's where his feet followed. The longer we set our eyes on something, the more we desire it. And the more we desire it, the more likely we are to do whatever it takes to have it. So, are your eyes leading you in the right direction? That's the question. Are your eyes leading you in the right direction? Take care what you set your eyes on. Take, uh, they will take your heart and your mind wherever they go. And where your mind and your heart go, your actions and your money, your resources will follow. If you're beholding God and if you're setting your eyes on him, your desires are going to be in that direction and your money will be in that direction. You see? So Jesus is saying, don't store up treasures on earth. Store them up in heaven and take care where you set your eyes because this is where this is all leading. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and wealth. Now, some of you have a version that it says you can't serve both God and mammon, okay? And we're like, that's a weird word. We don't know what that is, so we're just going to say it's wealth. But here's the thing. When Jesus uses the word mammon, he's doing that intentionally. He's referring to property and wealth as though it were a god. That's exactly the point he's trying to make. He personifies it. As if we're going to give it this this power and this name, mammon. You can't serve both God and a lesser God, mammon. If you give your money power by trusting in it, depending on it, for your security, for your satisfaction, for the joy then it will be your God. It will master you. But money is not a good master. Money's a cruel master. It bosses you around. You know, it gives you orders. So how do you know if money's your master? Here's a telltale sign. How we use our money and how willing we are to let it flow out from us to benefit others will reveal if you have money or if money has you. You guys get that? 
So this point may be most obviously seen in the encounter that Jesus had with a young man that my Bible heading calls the rich young ruler. Mark 10, 17 through 22, a young man comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and look closely at Jesus' response. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now think about what we've said already. That we can trust God to go into these places that are challenging to our emotions and our sensibilities because God is a good father. He is good. And if he's good, then he cares about us. He has our best interest at heart. And he's only going to say things to us that are going to be good for us. So Jesus is connecting himself with his good God, right? Why are you calling me good? Because God alone is good. So Jesus is saying, so I'm good too, right? It's just kind of setting that context there. Jesus is about to invite this man to venture into some territory with him that will be very challenging for this guy, okay? So I think emphasizing the fact that God is good and therefore Jesus is good was important, okay? So Jesus initially, he just gives him a short answer. He says, keep the law. And the guy said, I've kept the law since I was a youth. But notice what the text says next. I don't want you to miss this. We've heard this a ton of times. But look what it says. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and loved him. So we know that whatever Jesus says next to this man is in love. Don't miss that. It's in love. And here's what he says. One thing you lack. Go sell everything you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Was Jesus telling all of us to sell everything we have and go and give everything away? And like, I don't think so. I don't even know if necessarily he was literally telling this guy, I really require that you give away everything. Maybe he was. But here's what I do know. Jesus hauls this big spotlight on his shoulder and he just like shines it right into this guy's heart, and he reveals where his treasure really was. Jesus knew that this man didn't have wealth. Wealth had him. And it was literally choking the life out of him. So J.D. Waltz, the founder of Seedbed Publishing, he said it this way. It's like he was saying to the man, like Jesus was saying to the man, you will never find life until you, listen to this, release your death grip on the very thing that's killing you, your attachment to your wealth. The life you seek will come through following me, and for you, it begins right here. Can you let it go? Can you let it go? Jesus invited this man into a place of intimacy and trust. He invited him to take advantage of the abundance of the Father by letting go of false security and false abundance. Listen, 
He invited this man to do what I invited you to do this morning, to change the storyline he was telling himself about money. Change that story. What storyline are you telling yourself? Let's, let's change that. Let's start a different conversation about it. Can you let go? He couldn't let go. Guys, he couldn't let go. He walked away from Jesus grieving because he had a lot of stuff. He walked away because he couldn't let go. You cannot hang on and let go at the same time. The man needed a copy of Lynn Twist's book, The Soul of Money. This is what he did. Jesus should have said, here, go read this. I mean, this is going to help. And look, I know I say, do yourself a favor and read this book. About a lot of books, but do yourself a favor and read this book. It seriously is worth your time. Listen to some of the words she says. Last, I'm closing. I promise. You're fine. You're fine. I'm closing. Okay? True wealth or well-being can't be found in a static balance sheet no matter how large the accumulation of financial assets. Wealth shows up in the action of sharing and giving, allocating and distributing, nourishing and watering the projects, people, and purpose that we believe in and care about with the resources that flow to us and through us. Accumulation in moderation saving money is a part of a responsible approach to personal finances. But when holdings holds us back from using money in meaningful, life-affirming ways, then money becomes an end in itself and an obstacle to well-being. Because that's true wealth, your well-being. And God says your well-being is found in the abundance you have in your Father. Here's some questions. I'm really, I'm going to put these out on social media for us this week. Here's some questions I want you to dig around in and wrestle with and spend time with. And they're going to make you uncomfortable. Uh, I read these to Bruce the other day. He goes, oh, Susan, I don't think I want those questions. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, tough, Bruce, suck it up, right? So these are the questions. These are the, I didn't really say that to him. I might have thought it, but we were just joking anyway. So here's question one. On what foundation have you built your life and security and identity? Question two. What could you never imagine letting go of? Question three. What do you possess that really possesses you? Question four. What do you most fear the Lord might ask you to release? Remember, you've got a good father who loves you, cares for you. And he may say, come with me. Will you come with me into some territory that terrifies you? And then that's, that's where you have to make your choices. That's where you've got to ask these questions and decide which direction you're going to go. I want to close with this last quote from The Soul of Money. We started this morning talking about changing conversations, changing a storyline. She says this, We can't always change the circumstances that surround us, 
but we can choose the conversations we generate about them. In a world of thorns, a culture where there's not enough, more is better, and that's just the way it is, dominate the conversation, we have no choice but to walk in that world. But we can wrap our feet in leather, so to speak. Without denying or being blind to things that aren't working, we, can turn, we still can turn our attention to those aspects of life where we do thrive and prosper and make that conversation the context for our journey. We can choose our words and create new life sentences that true our relationship with money. So what conversations do you have with yourself and with others about money? Jesus invites you to change the conversation. He invites you to surrender and let go because you serve a loving Father God who is good. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us let go, Jesus, and find true abundance in you. In your name we pray. Amen.